You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. It is the NFC East mixtape, the most ambitious crossover ever attempted in the history of all things. He is Brandon Lee Gotten from SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation. I am RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's Blogging the Boys. This podcast, this show, a very special one because you can listen to it on both the Bleeding Green Nation and Blogging the Boys podcast networks, which is appropriate given that for some, uh, we'll get to this certainly, it is Dallas week. Uh, BLG, happy week three. The Washington football team is in first place in the NFC East. Yeah, but who cares because it's Eagles Cowboys, baby. We're finally here, RJ. That's what this podcast was built on, really, at the end of the day. Uh, this rivalry, and it's here. So, do we really want to touch on the Washington New York game? We have to. I mean, we have to. Fine, we'll touch on it. It was last week. Uh, this episode's dropping obviously on Wednesday, like it does every week. Uh, BLG and I are recording on Tuesday, so the game was forever ago. Washington outlasts New York 30 to 29. Uh, Taylor Heineke, not Tyler, just so everybody's aware. Uh, Taylor Heineke was, I think, the most efficient quarterback the Washington football team has had in a very long time, arguably since Alex Smith, which I know isn't the biggest sample size. But still, uh, look, I was impressed by who he is and who he was. But this team is still, even though they beat the Giants, I mean, it took all of their force to beat one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, so I think I was thinking, I think I was thinking, I know I was thinking about uh, your guy, Heineke, Taylor, not Tyler, Heineke. And I think what he is, his baseline is not too different from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I would say, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has like God mode capabilities everyone here and there and kind of can just like totally get on fire. Not often, but he can do that. That can like Ryan Fitzpatrick's highs, I would argue, are higher than what Taylor Henneke can do. But I think the baseline is similar. They're like similar. They're going to give you a, a similar baseline of quarterback. Uh, I will say that throw he had, the touchdown throw late in the game, that was a really nice throw. I was like, wow, that was like, that's pretty legit. And the catch, too. Uh, pretty good catch as well. Um, so, sure. You know, and, and to go uh, get that field goal is impressive, like the context right. of the moment and the situation. I agree with the baseline. To me, um, they're both like Venusaur, you know what I mean? And sometimes Ryan Fitzpatrick can become, um, or not Venusaur, Ivysaur, rather. Uh, they're both Ivysaur, and that's kind of who Heineke is. But sometimes Fitzpatrick can hit Venusaur mode. But ultimately, Venusaur is still not an intimidating Pokemon, all things considered. Wow, Bulbasaur was my starter, so... Oh my I gosh, you, offense to you this. would totally have been a Bulbasaur person. Wow. Yeah, makes, and uh, So much move. about you makes sense. Now, it's wow. the smart move because you can beat the first two gyms easier. Everybody else beat the first two gyms and enjoyed the rest of the game Not with the personality. Mm -hmm. nope. mm -hmm. um, anyway, um, it was a weirdly entertaining game. I think it was more entertaining than we anticipated. It was a disaster for the Giants. Obviously, Daniel Jones was efficient, and that's certainly promising if you're a Giants fan. I find it hilarious. All due respect to our friends at Big Blue View, but that anybody 
ever thought that this team could seriously contend. I don't often pat myself on the back here, but I called this BLG. They are a disaster. They're so boring. They're so juiceless. And now they have fighting on the sidelines. That's That was the next evolution going to that theme here with Kenny G and JG fighting on the sidelines. And by the way, on the subject of Jason Garrett, what an absolute coward. I mean, just a cowardly performance from the Giants offense at the very end, near the end of the game, rather, when they get the interception late, what does Jason Garrett do inside the 20-yard line? He runs it twice up the middle and played for the field goal and left too much time on the clock and Heineke burned him. And good, because that type of football should not be rewarded. I noticed Jason Garrett was still doing the fight thing, by the way, like during the game even, not he's, even just during he's practice. He's been doing it for a while. He's not even original That's- anymore. That's just so wild to me. Like, I'm looking like this is a game. Like, it's one thing out of practice, whatever, but like, this is a nationally televised game. And this dude has like marker written on his shirt above the Giants logo. It just looks like so, it looks so cheesy. Um, but beyond that, I love like the Kenny Galladay explanation. Uh, like, oh, I wasn't yelling at the quarterback, I was yelling at the offensive coordinator. It's like, oh, oh, wait, like, is that supposed to be like better? Is that like a good thing? It's like that not a big deal now. Um, doesn't seem great. Uh, RJ, I was going to write an article about the Giants, you know, how I do uh, kind of, I love to mm-hmm. kick in it. Troll extraordinary, it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but like, it, it didn't even feel worth my time. I'm like, it's just, the jokes write themselves. I mean, the Giants are 0-2 for the fifth straight season. Joe Judge, we, we made fun of him for challenging the play in week one, but like this week, okay, he's like Mr. Special Teams, former Special Teams coordinator. Yep. Guy. He's Mr. Discipline. We have to run laps and, you know, do all this stuff. And then the team loses the game on an undisciplined play. Like, okay, that's on a reflection special of teams. you. Yeah. On special teams. Although I do think it was kind of like, it was a really like tough. I was like, it was close. That's not like the most blatant offsides I've ever seen. That's like, it was a tough one, but ultimately it was the, I think it was the right call. And uh, also going on amidst all this is Kadarius Tony is a huge bust and there's drama with him. And he's like saying stuff after the game about he's not happy and he's not even playing a lot. So uh, Giants are a mess. Daniel Jones, I think, did have a good game, but it's like, okay, you usually, you guys usually do well against Washington anyway. So like, does this is this super meaningful? And to uh, kind of raise some concerns here about Washington, RJ, that defense isn't looking that great, honestly. Who like, said that? Like, Who said that, BLG? Well, Who said that it was going to be hard to stick? Yeah, but I, I think beyond that, though, I think it's like I, I still I get. And I've admitted before that defense isn't sticky year to year, but like to this extent, like that you're getting carved up by the Giants, I expected more than that. And so far, not so good for them. Yeah, I think to that point, everybody understood, uh, as my dog agrees, that Justin Herbert and the Chargers would have success. Everybody talked about the third down success that they had. Um, but yeah, to, it wasn't just that Daniel Jones had success, like he got carved up, is a fair way to put it. And I mean, yeah, like I said it, a lot of people said it, you said it too. Defense is hard to stick in the NFL year to year. And that was their main thing. Like whoever you are, if that's your calling card, you're it's not going to work out. No team wins that way, like sustainably. You have to have some level of offensive production. The lone outlier is the 2015 Broncos. That's the lone outlier in the last like 20 years, maybe. Or like I mean, the you, Seahawks, yeah. Well, the Seahawks still, though, even that, you know, year had a lot of success on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, with Marshawn Lynch. Like, they they had some offensive success that they could rely on. And so uh, Heineke might be enough to kind of steady the waters. But um, as we look forward, I think that 
you're a little bit more down on Washington than you might have been. At least it sounds that way. Uh, this is a big week for the NFC East, obviously, and we'll certainly get there. Washington visits Buffalo, who I know that we both love, and I think we both think they're going to lose that game. The Atlanta Falcons actually will play the Giants this week and then the Washington football team mm. the next week. But uh, Washington's in a, in a bit of a tough stretch here, BLG. They've got, they're on the road in Buffalo this week, then at Atlanta. They have the Saints uh, after that. Then they have the Kansas City Chiefs at home before they head to Green Bay. Then they head to Denver, and they have the bye, and then the Bucks to come out of it. And then even after the Bucks game, they're on the road in Carolina. And I'm not super high on the Panthers, but, um, you know, they're 2-0, and whatever. Uh, my point is, I, I think they're the third best team in the division, the Washington football team. Well, especially with Heineke at quarterback. Yeah, I think that's true. And but I, I think that back. was the case before. But whatever. I don't want to, you know. Well, I think it's a downgrade. It. I think he's I think he's worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think there's enough evidence to say that. I mean, he's in the XFL as a backup. Like, I think there's enough. I think if you're not getting giving Ryan Fitzpatrick enough credit if you say that, like, Taylor Heineke is definitely better than or not even any bit of a drop off overall. Again, the baseline, sure, you can argue that. But I think at the highs, if you're looking at the highs of the highs, I think you have to factor that in. Um, yeah, so another loss for Washington probably coming up this week. I think I do think the Giants can beat the Falcons, RJ. I do think that. I think the Falcons are sure. really freaking bad. <laughs> I want to say one last thing on Washington and New York, and then we can get past it because everybody wants to hear the Cowboys-Eagles discussion. Ron Rivera, outstanding human being. Never denied that. But Ron Rivera's Washington football team has eight wins since the beginning of last year. Five of them are against NFC East teams. One of those five is a game that the Eagles threw to them. So I, you know, just everybody loves to dog on this division. This division sucks. This division's so terrible, whatever. So then why do we elevate Ron Rivera? Again, five of his eight wins. And his, of his other three, one was against Nick Mullins. Another was when Joe Burrow got hurt. I mean, so I just, far be it from me to like fall in love here. Yeah, I just think he's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. <laughs> we can get into. Well, Ron Rivera lost to the Los Angeles Chargers, and and Mike McCarthy beat the Los Angeles Chargers in back to back weeks. Yeah, no help or no thanks to Mike McCarthy, who's playing for a fifty six yard field goal at the end of the game. I, the clock excuse is so lame. That is the lamest thing I've ever heard. Like, figure it out. Like, I don't. Are you kidding me? Like, you don't know. Like, there has to be some kind of method. Like that. That is like the weakest. I just can't even buy that. That's such so, a weak excuse. Okay, in case any. Eagles fan is unaware, which they wouldn't be because you guys love to obsess with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys successfully defeated the Los Angeles Chargers last week. They kicked a 56-yard field goal to win it. Uh, that final drive, there were about four minutes when it began, and there were some clock issues. Mike McCarthy said that the clock that he and Kellen Moore were looking at went out. He'd never seen this before, and so they were not able to handle it as best as they could. Even before knowing this, I honestly did not have a huge issue with it. And look, I'm not thrilled with kicking a 56-yard field goal, especially, you know, Greg Zerline, given the week that he had before. You know, everybody's heard my take on, on Greg Zerline. Um, but, and it, this has nothing to do with hindsight, but the game is tied. You know, like, would I have liked 10 more yards? Certainly. Absolutely. Would I have liked 15 more yards? Obviously. But the game is tied. And so I think that, you know, Again, it wasn't a perfect and flawlessly executed strategy or anything, but they got into field goal range, field goal range that they feel comfortable with. And the most important thing at that point was to get into field goal range and to drain the clock. And they accomplished both of those things. And so it's a fine you know, needle to thread through or whatever haystack analogy. I mean, to do everything, to, to get super close, to drain all the clock and to do it perfectly. They didn't do it perfectly, but it worked. And I'm not saying, oh, it worked like, the result justifies the process, but I I was fine with it even before the clock, you know, situation fiasco. 
So you want to thread a needle and then put it in a haystack. Or, or, or trying to thread a needle while in a haystack would be pretty hard. That'd be like the toughest thing possible. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, how do you feel about Dak? Because after week one, Here we disagreed on this. I felt like he wasn't looking right. Um, I saw a lot of other people say the same thing. Not just Eagles fans, too. Like other people around. I think even some people in the SB Nation NFL, other, other than me, were saying that as well. Uh, so how do you think he did in week two? Cause I didn't see, uh, the entire game from start to finish. Cause I was catching the end of it with covering some of the Eagles stuff. Um, how do you think he looked overall? Cause the box score didn't look great. Remind me. I do want to say something about Mike McCarthy that you will enjoy about the Eagles game, but, mm-hmm. um, it was not, I don't want to say it wasn't Dak's best performance cause it, it was efficient. I mean, we've seen Kellen Moore really adjust. The Cowboys are one of the teams who adjusted the most from pass to run ratios from weeks one to week two, because that's just what the game called for. Kellen Moore said in his press conference after the game on Monday that their whole offensive idea and disposition is to aggressively attack what defenses give them. And I think that you know, that's what they're doing. The game against Tampa called for throwing the ball 58 times because of that defensive line and the fact that the Cowboys were without Zach Martin. This week, Zach Martin was back and was incredible. PFF's highest graded player at any point so far on this young season. You know, I know we're two weeks in. Um, and so the game just lent itself more to having success on the ground. Terrence Steele, who played for Lyle Collins, was remarkable in in his first start this season. Really impressive. The Cowboys were the only people who believed in him. Everybody thought that was a terrible idea. But he said, kick Zach Martin out to tackle, figure it out, whatever. But they believed they were right. The hero of this game, and the reason Dak didn't have to do a lot, I'm not dodging the question, but he was just fine because the interception was really bad, actually. That was one of the worst Dak throws I've ever seen. So I don't know what happened there, what miscommunication, but it was really gross. But Tony Pollard, and that's the, that's the new take, is should Tony Pollard be RB1? And the new be, take. Well, it's it's not new if you're. Didn't you I say know, this in the summer when it, I had not, him as my most underrated cowboy? It's not new if you're um, hip, right? It's not new if you you know yeah. if you don't just watch broadcasts. But now it's now it's reached like national talk radio. That's what I mean by new, um, mm. because this was a game where it was really obvious. I tweeted this out on Monday. The last two Cowboys possessions, which were important because they obviously got field goals on both of them that went a long way towards winning them. On those two possessions specifically, so their final two, the Cowboys ran the ball nine times. uh, Zeke had four of those carries, and he totaled seven yards, 1.8 yards per attempt. Tony Pollard had five of those carries. He totaled 37 yards, 7.4 yards per attempt. Zeke is a fantastic blocker. You know, he's great in, in the past game helping there, but you didn't pay him $90 million to be an offensive lineman standing next to Dak Prescott. And that's okay. Like, it's it's okay for Cowboys fans to admit that the contract was always a huge L. It's just showing itself up in, in more L-related ways right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think Pollard has to be the guy. Uh, it's pretty obvious. Again, I did have him. I'm looking back at our NFC's most underrated players that I had picked, and I did have Tony Pollard on offense. And then big I had... Cow- big Cowboys fan you are. Mm-hmm. Do you remember who I had on defense? You had Micah Parsons. Nope. I had DeMonte Kazee, who had, had what, the, a couple picks. Had the in big interception. He has, two, he has a forced fumble and an interception in the first two games. There you go. That's, right. first, that's what I was thinking of. So, yeah. So, yeah. A guy who makes plays uh, has in the past. It's no surprise doing in the NFL. So, good on me for knowing the Cowboys <laughs> better than you. Um, uh, before yeah, before, before I give you the Mike McCarthy thing that I promise will be catnip for you. Yeah, let's um, what, Well, before I get there, what was your thought? Because... I, I can't really remember anything like this in the NFL. And I'm not trying to, you know, be a Cowboys fan about this, but Micah Parsons playing defensive end in his second mm-hmm. NFL game and doing it at an incredibly high level was amazing. I mean, just 
like seriously, what an amazing performance. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not shocked because, like, I remember people were saying that leading up to the draft. Even I think there was an argument, um, right, that he should just play that in the NFL, right, for sure. Even not like I don't think the Eagles were, you know, ever seriously hot after him, especially because of the perception that they might get a quarterback or whatever. But there was like a small number of Eagles fans who, you know, especially probably because of the Penn State connection, wanted the Eagles to take Mark Micah Parsons, and how you know that made no sense because the Eagles haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since like the 70s or something. It just wasn't going to happen. It's not even realistic, not even really worth talking about. But I think those people would argue that like, okay, he's not just the linebacker. He can also like rush right. the passer and even maybe even play and maybe even move him to edge rusher. So like, you know, that's been in the discourse. It's not like, you know, this thing that no one was thinking about. But I mean, yeah, it is impressive. I I, I heard the numbers you mentioned on Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL show. You had like what, seven pressures? Tied for Chase Young on the week, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean that's really good. I think that's a good uh, job by Dan Quinn <laughs> of using a player uh, creatively or using a player in a way that necessarily isn't like the traditional position and giving it a try. It's kind of fortuitous for the Cowboys in that like uh, wouldn't have done it otherwise. You know, if they didn't uh, weren't in a in an unlucky situation, unfortunate situation for them with losing you know D Law and everything. Um, but yeah, um, very impressive stuff from Micah Parsons. Super cool. I think he's and. This, a lot of this is narrative. The fact that he plays for the Cowboys, clearly on track to win defensive rookie of the year. Uh, no matter how good Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn are, it's just, you know, he's Micah Parsons. It's the Cowboys. But uh, the thing I wanted to tell you, and so, you know, we'll segue into the Eagles here. Um, you've covered the NFL for a long time. I have never heard something like this before. And maybe it's just something that nobody shares. But Mike McCarthy on Monday in his day after press conference was asked about, you know, kind of keeping tabs on things, whatever, the division, blah, blah, blah. Um, or no, I'm sorry. He was asked about preparing for the Eagles. That's what he was asked about, because obviously the Cowboys play the Eagles. We'll get to that, obviously. Um, and he said, yeah, you know, I've seen them a little bit, obviously. He said, I watched some of the game before our game on Sunday. He said, I saw about the first three quarters before, you know, we went out. And I just thought to myself, what? Like, how? Again, maybe this is normal, but like you have the time on because the Eagles played at noon in, in normal people time uh, and the Cowboys played at 325. And so if, you know, the noon hour games, the third quarter ends at about, I don't know, like 230 ish. Right. So like you're just sitting there watching this game and I, maybe he wasn't just sitting there like, you know, literally just sitting watching the game. I just that really stood out to me that he had the time on game day to sit and watch three quarters to any degree of any other football game. Does that make sense? Like, would, are you a little bit taken aback by this? I hope you're not doing like a Sean McVay here or, or like media praising Sean McVay for knowing the Bears players or whatever. No, 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 no. I, I, I yeah. find this. I, I'm worried that I'm not like okay. I'm not saying like what a hard you know worker. He's studying the Eagles. No, 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 okay, no. Good. I'm saying like, how are you not focused and doing something else as it relates to the game you're about to coach? You know what I mean? Like, why do you have the time to be watching another game, you know, all the way up to maybe an hour before kickoff? That's my question. And so my question to you is like, have you ever heard something like this before? Uh, I'll answer this. But just on that point, though, about like, that's just one of my biggest pet peeves. So we just give credit for like, literally just like the, oh, yeah. the bear. Like, this, it's not even like, like how is this crazy? Like, it's the team he's playing. Of course, he's going to know the players. Like, like when, the when, everybody, know the players. when everybody freaked out about Mahomes watching the Browns when they were the one right. seed, it's like, well, he, or, was, he was watching potential opponents. What a genius. Or to even put it in the Cowboys thing when like Dak threw away the paper cup and the trash can, like, oh my God, that guy is such a franchise quarter. It's like, what are you talking about? You've been holding on to this about? for five years. Wow. Not a shot. It's just insane. <laughs> um, anyway, 
Uh, or like, or if you want to take it even back to the Jason Witten thing, oh my gosh, he ran without his helmet on. What else is he supposed to do? Just go down the middle of the field? Like, like anyway, it's, it's so, silly. I, so I could All have right, kind anyway. of under, I could have kind of understood this a little bit more if the Eagles had played at noon and the Cowboys were the night game, right? Because you're in the hotel, you know what I mean? Like you're you're not going to the stadium right away, but you're the next window of games. I just found yeah. that to be a little weird. I I don't think it's crazy because I think there's a lot of downtime before a game. I think I don't know about you, but like if you ever go to a game, you see a lot of players and coaches just shooting the the ish, you know, on the sidelines and everything. A lot standing around pregame. I don't like you're not like you know game planning still. Like you you've done what you've already done in that regard. Like you Mm. kind of. I think it's almost good not to defend Mike McCarthy here, but I I don't. I don't think. I don't think. Roll reversal. I don't think it's. I don't think it's any different than a lot of other coaches. Like like what's he gonna? What else should he be doing? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get that. So. To be clear here, I brought up a potential criticism of Mike McCarthy, and you thought it was stupid. You you defended him. I think it's so. stupid. I just think that's not really. I think a lot of coaches. I don't know if they do that, but I don't think. I, I think they're probably just chilling. Otherwise, I don't know. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360 degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I do want to talk about something that I loved that Nick Sirianni did. So the Eagles game is 14 to three at one point. This is into the fourth quarter, right? And Eagles scored a touchdown. And I do want to talk about some things before this, but he goes for two. Love this. Absolutely love this. And you've yeah. talked about and written about the woke analytics revolution that Nick Sirianni is experiencing here. I don't want to like totally put this in that camp because it does kind of seem like common sense to a certain point, but your casual football fans don't understand this. I would say it's a little more uh, like it's not as obvious as the, you know, go for two last week when the Eagles got the penalty and they got the the ball at the one yard line for the two point conversion. Like that seems pretty like no brainer. This is not, I would say, as no brainer. I think you kind of have to think about this one a little bit. There's a bunch of people in the Eagles press box who are like, who are just laughing at Nick Sirianni and like, like what's he doing? You don't go for what, two. Here. What an like, idiot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like, no, honestly, like there's a lot of other things you can criticize him for, but you shouldn't because with this, it's like, I was and I had to like check myself on this too. I I I support this. I remember supporting this, but I had to like check up on the reasoning why. And I saw you tweet this like, out during the game, by the way. Yeah. The basic way to put it is like there's a better chance of you um missing like there's a better chance of you it's easier to there's a good I I can't phrase it the right way. The chance of you missing both of those, I think is lower than the chance of you making one of them. So you might as well go for it and then you get that to uh, and, and if you do, great. And then you just need a touchdown, the extra point to win the game. If you don't, I mean, you can still go for get the touchdown and then go for two anyway. Um, so yeah, I think it's fine. 
I think he's done a good job on fourth downs and everything. The execution hasn't been there. Like the play calls, obviously, when you're running the Philly special or Philly not so special. Uh, explain. Walk uh, us through this this four down fiasco. So uh, ninety one yard gain, right? Big yeah. moment for the Eagles' offense, and then disaster. That just doesn't happen, too. Like there are not drives in the NFL where there's like a ninety one yard play and the team doesn't get any points out of it. Like that's just, it's like that just, just and then not only that, but then then literally okay, so the ball is turned over on downs, and then the 49ers go ninety seven yards down the field and get their first touchdown of the game. Like that is such a a crazy swing. Um, so it was really frustrating for the Eagles to be at first and goal from the one yard line because there was a pass interference in the end zone. Devontae Smith drew that. No big deal. And uh, the Eagles, instead of just sneaking it with Jalen Hurts, who is a he's not like a big quarterback, but he's a powerful guy. Um, he is like known for like living in the weight room. I think there's like a video of him like deadlifting or whatever, like 500 pounds. He's a really strong dude. And, uh, you know, how many people, RJ, talk about not even just like and I'm not even including the team, which they do, and the players, which they do, uh, fans, whoever. Oh, the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Okay, like go get a yard then. If you need a yard to score a touchdown. Um, and if you and like, okay, sneak it twice. It doesn't work. Okay, now you can pass it or whatever you have to do. You have two more downs to work with. But like they didn't even try it once. So that was pretty lame. Uh, I think this kind of experience is what you're going to see sometimes from an Eagles team that has – a second-year quarterback in terms of Jalen Hurts being inconsistent, and then specifically in that series um, with Dick Sirianni being a brand-new play caller. This is his second game calling plays as a full-time play caller at any level ever. So I think there's going to be some growing pains here, and that's kind of what the deal is for this season. Um, When the Eagles hired Dick Sirianni, RJ, Jeffrey Lurie, they released like the audio of his call and he literally said like, I can't wait to see the coach you will become like he even acknowledged in that moment. Like I'm not hiring you because we're like winning right now and you're a finished product. Like I I expect you to grow. So I think that's kind of the table setting that's been done there. And I think the game as a whole, RJ, like kind of just set like it's, it's not a loss that's devastating. It's frustrating because they could have beat the 49ers. But I don't think it's devastating because it doesn't like deviate from the expectation that was going into the season, which is this is again probably like a seven and ten or eight and nine kind of team. And I think this is why because they're going to have some games where they can beat up on bad teams like they did in week one, but they're going to have some games here where they're going to miss opportunities and they don't like, like I said, the stats on the oddcast. Like if the Chiefs have this series, they can overcome that. They'll come back later in the game. Like the Eagles, they can't. Like their, their margin for error is much smaller. Yeah, you can't squander opportunities on the one yard line. And I thought of like after in the aftermath, two things that Peyton Manning has said on each of the two different broadcasts that he and Eli have done uh, so far this year. The first was last week during the Raiders Ravens Monday night game when the Raiders got the ball at the one yard line. Peyton literally said, yeah, if you can't score here in four tries, you deserve to lose. You know what I mean? And then the crazy chaos happened and that kind of happened to the Eagles. The other thing was last night or Monday night, rather, when they were calling the Lions Packers game, the Lions go for it on fourth down. Great. Be bold. Be aggressive. But Jared Goff has to make this incredible throw. And Peyton says, you know, that that should be a scheme play, you know, because if, if it's fourth, I think it was fourth and three. He said, if it's fourth and three, this should be a scheme play. You shouldn't be asking your quarterback to make a perfect throw on fourth down. And that's why the Philly special thing, you know, you want to run that play at any point in time, Nick Sirianni, fine. But not in that, like your your do or die play can't be the one that like several unpredictable things have to go right. You're really you're not like that's gambling. You know what I mean? That's actually gambling and that's irresponsible. 
there's some thought that like Sirianni called that play as like a pandering kind of move because he's been like very pandering so far to the fan Man. base. Like he, he had like an all Phillies uh, outfit heading up to week one. He's wearing an Iverson jersey before the practice. The Jalen t-shirt. Like, yeah, the Jalen Hurts t-shirt. He does that with like for Jake Elliott. You should call them t-shirts, by the way. Free, free idea for you guys would be BGN. T-shirts, but spelled like shirts, like S-H-U-R-T-S. When you make a Jalen t-shirt, it's a t-shirt. That's terrible. That's <laughs> so bad. I couldn't even, I didn't even pick on it until you just explained it there. Uh, money-making idea for someone out there. If they really want to do that, just take it. Um, yeah, like, I don't know that I fully believe that. I think it could have been like more than a 0% chance. There's some truth to that because it's like, hey, you know, I'll call this play and like, oh man, the, the fans are going to love that. Like, I kind of, I can't think that's the only motivation behind it. I think it is a trick. Even you've seen it work before in the college, obviously sure. for the Eagles. Like, I think it's not like a totally worthless play, but like, okay, it's one thing to do it uh, in the situation you are in the Super Bowl because I feel like that's something like they're never going to expect. It's such a high leverage situation. Yeah, This one's just like, there, there's a lot down. of there's a lot of data though to support that like taking risks in games like that you know provides massive right. swings. So like in the you're, super you're that, going for like, a championship, yeah, yeah, like Sean Payton's onside kick, like those types of things, I totally am fine with in championship games. But here it was yeah. very weird. Um, if he's really placating to fans with actual calls, um, I am seriously concerned. Uh, did you hear? Not to make this about the Cowboys because I do have a uh, Nick Sirianni follow up here. Did you hear what uh, what John Fossil said about the Cowboys trying to block the Chargers punt at the end of the first half? I saw you were mad or heard, listened rather, <laughs> you were mad about this on Monday Football Monday. And also, I don't think we're talking enough about John Fossil, and he's like an old guy. Like, I mean, maybe he's just like a fossil in the NFL. My shirts thing was a lot better than that, just for the record. Um, so the Cowboys, it's fourth and 20 for the Chargers. And the Cowboys are up 14 to 11, which was a halftime score of by the way. Um, that's insane. To, How? I know. I think that's weird. Like, like that's, it's not, that's it's not, not like 11 hard to obtain. I agree with you. Right. Uh, yeah. You can get, you could go for two and then you get a field goal. Like, yeah. How is that? That's just, anyway. I mean, it happened to the Eagles. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, to that point. But anyway, so they're about to get the ball back, kind of about their own 10 yard line. They have two timeouts. Two minute warnings gone, whatever. On fourth and twenty, John Fossil sends the house, and the Cowboys rough the punter, and the Chargers get a new series of downs. They end up attempting a field goal that they miss. Uh, but remember, the Cowboys won this game twenty to seventeen, and so this was pretty reckless from John Fossil. And so on Monday, he was asked about this and what he was thinking, and he said, "I was thinking that Cowboys fans, you know, want to be bold, and so I did it for them." You know, because we we went after it, and it was like what? And I I I kind of think he was trolling. Like he's probably just annoyed that he's been you know getting heat for this. But I I mean I don't I don't believe that he seriously did this. Just like I can't believe that Nick Sirianni seriously called the Philly special uh, to to rub you know Eagles fans the right way. But it is possible. I have one Nick Sirianni demerit to hand out, but I think he'll hate it. What is it? I think that sometimes. Coaches want to make things about themselves. Like John F John mm -hmm. Fossil clearly wants to be the guy that developed the like insane play that the team won the game because of, right? Nick Sirianni is trending in this direction. I think Nick Sirianni is very aware of his physical appearance. He's the guy guy works out, right? The guy looks sharp in, in some polos and stuff, but he's doing this weird, stupid highlighter mm -hmm. on the side front of the visor. It's uh -oh. very, very Matt Patricia y. Of with the, I was gonna the, say, the, the Patricia. Pencil. Uh oh. I mean, but like, 
that's at least what I've noticed. Like, like it, this is not something where, you know, like um, actually on the subject of Mike McCarthy, I remember uh, the America's game on the 2010 Packers. He talked about how he um, he sticks Sharpies in the back of his cap to like hold them there. But like he, he takes the cap off and just like puts it up there. So the Sharpie like rubs on the top of his back. You know what I mean? So he always ends up with these like, mar- you know, marks on his back. This is not like just a convenience thing. This is Nick Sirianni trying. Nick Sirianni wants Eagles fans to dress up as him for Halloween and put little highlighters on the side of their front visor. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm in on this before anybody else. Uh, I, I respect the uh, observation. I don't think it's true because just Sirianni is a really like hands-on kind of involved guy to seeing him. So like, I imagine he is using that and he is doing things just because I've seen him like do it. Like he's, he's all over. He has a lot of energy. He's in everyone's face. Like I don't think he just has that pen for the looks. Whereas Matt Patricia seems to, cause he's just kind of like moseying around and whatever, chewing gum or whatever. And uh, having that in his ear, like I, I think Sirianni actually is active and engaged. Um, so I, I don't fully agree with that. Uh, yeah. Also another observation though, while we're on this, do you ever think it's weird how like Eagles coaches just always like wear all black? Like that's always what like going back to Andy Reid, like they just wear all black. Like their their colors black is not even officially like one of their colors. Like it's right. in you know the Eagles logo, like the accent. It's like black accents in it or whatever, and they obviously have the all black jersey. Um, but like that's not even one of their main colors. It's weird to me. I am actually really glad you brought this up because when my I was watching the game with my uh, wife and my pants Cowboys game and all of the Chargers coaches had gray pants and I thought mm. th- like th- they coordinated this right you know what I mean like it was a I used to call high school football games and all the high school coaches would do the same like I I really believed that they would you know go to like the head coach would be like okay guys I bought these at Ross you know what I mean so it's the, the Ross on on whatever street by whatever go they have every size blah 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 will expense it whatever so yeah I think it's definitely a thing. I also think a thing this year, I've seen more coaches, BLG, wearing T-shirts, like the dry fit T-shirts than I ever have before. You know, we've, we've you know, coaches have different setups, right? Like some some go polos, you know, some go the half zips, some, some go hoodies, right? You know, depending on the weather, some do the full out jacket, whatever. Some do the like kind of half zip short sleeve thing, short sleeve thing. Uh, on Monday Night Football, Matt LaFleur had a long sleeve underneath a short sleeve dry fit where he rolled the sleeves up. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what are you doing here? You're wearing two shirts and you're rolling the sleeves up. And Dan Campbell, who's also incredibly fit, had a again a short sleeve T-shirt. You know, the 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 collar's just a standard T-shirt. I think the T-shirts are coming in hot for NFL coaches right now. It is such a football guy move to do the long sleeve thing. Uh, I, I don't know about rolling it up, but I know like in the summer, you know, again watching Eagles training camp, there's so many coaches that just have like long sleeves on. It's like 90 degrees out, right. super humid, super hot, but. Uh, they do the long sleeve, so I don't know. But I feel like we should actually talk about the game here this week because it is well, a hang big on. game. I have one last okay. thing, and it's a listener question because that's what we're here to do uh, on the NFC's mixtape. Uh, I've mentioned before, shout out to Josh and the Madden League and the PGA2K Society, loyal listeners they are to the NFC's mixtape. And he asked me to ask you, BLG, specifically. He, he sent me a message on Discord, said, will you mm-hmm. ask BLG if that's the most opposing team jerseys he's ever seen at the link? There were so many Niner gang out there. Yeah, that's a that's a fair question. I'm thinking back to other games, and Vikings had a decent amount. Obviously, that was the NFC Championship game, so that sure. kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's, you know, it's different. That's not your standard yeah, thing, right? They're going. And this all was out, the home you know? opener, by the way, for the Eagles. The, the fact that it's even debatable is kind of sad. 
Yeah, I don't think it was like a sense of like Eagles fans weren't there, though. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there were a lot of empty seats and they were filled up by 49ers fans. I think part of it is that the 49ers haven't really been here in a while. You have to go back to 2017 since the last time. And they're also very bad, obviously, that year. Those C.J. Beathard starting at quarterback. So, and there's also kind of like, I think, like a rainier day or like overcast kind of day that day. It wasn't the nicest day out. So maybe it's kind of just that the 49ers haven't been in Philly in a while. And obviously, you have a lot of uh, bandwagon fans, as you would know about RJ who or you know like true and you know like even like stats who doesn't live in san francisco and uh, i know he's not gonna listen to this so it doesn't matter <laughs> take a shot at him and just no just no uh repercussions unless someone snitch tags him which even then he's still on twitter we'll that's on fire just no big deal yeah but, i'm sure no one will do that anyway uh but it's true i think there's a lot of you know these kids who grew up as 49er fans or whatever and, and they're there so it doesn't like shock me that it happened just because of the this history it would be you know more so if it was like some random team but uh, i didn't love it didn't love to see it it was a little too many um also it is really crazy how uh kind of taunting the, the eagles and rocky go to the rocky statue like the vikings fans did before the nfc championship game uh, worked out for the 49ers because that very much did not work out for the vikings and i felt even more confident that the eagles were going to win against the 49ers when i saw that alas they did not because jalen rager ruined everything Mm. uh well i wish i could say sorry to hear that but i'm not uh okay you wanted to get to the game monday night football yeah. uh dallas cowboys philadelphia eagles the home opener for america's team very quick question before we get to the game will you watch the madden or madden uh manning brothers simulcast for this game specifically as your first watch because i think we'll both go back and at least re-watch it but i will not watch it upon the first watch so again, context here, we're having the watch party at Pistola's ah, Del Sur. Good point. Good point. Yeah, you're invited to come if you're listening to this at uh, must be vaccinated, you know, prove vaccination status. That's the, the key thing. And yeah, so there's information about that and bleedingyournation.com and everything. Mm. So I'm you know, I'm guessing we're just gonna watch the normal one in there. Um, I mean yeah, I'm I'm guessing that's gonna be the setup. I don't know for sure. Uh, so maybe if I do a rewatch, I'll go back at the Manning one or or okay. I'll just follow along with the highlights. What about you? You said you're doing the regular. Well, so first of all, kudos to me as a host because this turned into an inadvertent plug. Uh, so great job by yeah. me on accident. Uh, but I will not watch that. It's a lot of Cowboys fans and talking about this. I will not watch this like as my I mean, you know, for like our jobs, it would make things a little bit difficult, you know, because you kind of need to yeah. hear the broadcast and stuff. Uh, so I will definitely rewatch it on Tuesday to hear what Peyton okay. Really, what Peyton has to say. I'm curious to see who the guests are going to be. Um, maybe Carson Wentz. Really oh, for real. But uh, but anyway, that was my my question there. I wanted to read you something uh, I read, BLG, on Tuesday, the day that you and I are recording. Uh, this comes uh, from a great publication, BleedingGreenNation.com. And I know uh, what you're going to read. So the title is "What Dallas Week Means to an Eagles Fan." I cannot believe the big old parade that Eagles fans throw when they get to play the Cowboys. But I wanted to read you my favorite part here. This comes to us from Seamus Clancy, talented writer, talented personality, all over Bleeding Green Nation. I read you exactly what Seamus wrote, BLG. Is this born out of a misguided inferiority complex? Of course. I'm deranged, but at least I'm a self-aware deranged dude. Part of the fun is just hating on the most famous and historically successful team in every sport. So a few years ago, Michael Kiss wrote what was then my favorite thing at Bleeding Green Nation when he <laughs> announced that Dak Prescott was a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, which a lot of people had a problem with. Uh, but here, Seamus has admitted that all Eagles fans 
suffer from an inferiority complex to the Dallas Cowboys. Interesting. Interesting piece of literature here. I mean, I'm sure Seamus speaks for literally every single fan. Uh, no, I mean, obviously, there's some truth to what he's saying. And in, in, in so far as that, I mean, everyone knows the dynamic. Yeah, the Eagles don't have the Super Bowls that the Cowboys do. Mm, but uh, I like this conversation always, a lot. Yeah, yeah, you do. But also, when's the last time they won uh, or even appeared in an NFC Championship game? Can you remind me of that again? Because I, I really do forget. Is it 1995 or whatever? Like, like you know, you can rest on those laurels of yours that you really never got to experience like I did when I actually saw the Eagles win the Super Bowl in mm. person, my own eyes. You, I, I'm pretty sure you can't say that. So, um, so BLG, Seamus shared a photo here that uh, was placed on the Bleeding Green Nation Instagram on Twitter or on Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta. I'm getting all the plugs in a photo of a shirt that says Dallas sucks underneath the photo on the article. It says whoever runs the Instagram page for blogging the boys commented rent free. That was me. Uh, Seamus says, I don't know who you are, but again, if you're from Texas, you don't exist in my mind. It's the fans Ooh. who are spread all throughout the country who are scum and make my blood boil. So I know you didn't write this BLG, but I put it to you. Are Eagles fans who aren't from or reside in Philadelphia scum? Do they make your blood boil? Uh, I think this whole rent-free thing of yours oh, has to go. Are they, no, so, okay, well, that's, are they scum? That's that's the point here. The whole This whole article and what I was to understand as the idea of Dallas Week is that it is stupid that people who aren't from Texas root for the Dallas Cowboys. So what is yeah. what, what about Eagles fans who are from all over the place? Bleeding Green Nation well, has different. a loyal following. How is it different? It seems hypocritical. It's, it is 100% different because mm. it's just glomming on to like this thing, especially at a time, obviously, I don't know if it still happens, but it's like this, this fake, like you're not even really paying attention that much. Uh, you're just chasing only glory. It's not earned. Mm. This, like, uh, was it Pete? who said this recently uh that like i think it was pete on monday football monday who said like you know the uh the rainy days make the sh- the sunny days good or no, whatever that, that was like, pete, yeah okay yeah but like there's some truth to that mm. though it's like like it's it's just lame to me like so i i get when a cowboy fan like you are rj and which is the only reason i have any respect for you at all <laughs> you know you, you're from texas the cowboys are there like that makes sense to me but like uh and it, this happens more with Cowboys fans and 49ers fans, obviously, mm. who just are randomly a fan of that team. And then also usually happen to like the Lakers and the Yankees. Uh, and okay. I don't know, the, the Pittsburgh well, Penguins, or they don't even care about hockey. You mentioned or Manchester uh, United, like well, you. Well, you, you mentioned rainy days, BLG. It rains a lot in London. Who's your favorite football club? Are you from London? I'm not. Chelsea, oh, but, like, so but here's the thing, what's though. What's going on Histor- here? <laughs> Historically, they uh-huh. have been the, the name of the Chelsea SB Nation site. If you don't know, is we ain't got no history because they were very bad for a very, very long right. time. So first of all, mm. uh, there's that, and second of all, uh, like the only reason I started to root for them is like a very specific thing where I was playing FIFA as a demo, and they had only like four teams you could play with, uh, yeah. and. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go with one of these. And I really liked playing with Drogba because he was like really good in that game. And I, I think this is also like the same time around like when the World Cup was happening. And he, obviously he was playing for the Ivory Coast and like watching him was really fun. So like like Drogba individually like got me into Chelsea. And that's a whole different thing. Um, <laughs> it although, just, it seems a little, seems like Eagles fans are a little pretentious when it comes to this subject. That's all no, a little, little I hypocritical. You know it's true. I don't think I it's think true you know at it's all. True. I think yeah. that Cowboys fans and the Cowboys in general absolutely live rent-free in the minds of Eagles fans. Again, you guys have a t-shirt 
that says Dallas on it. You made a big old deal about Dallas Goddard and his name and, and whatever. But I mean, the, all of that is fun this week more than any other week. I'm so happy that all these things are coming to boil this week because it's Monday Night Football. It's the Cowboys and the Eagles. And the, the, the only reason we have these arguments is because we hate the teams that each other roots for. And so the Cowboys opened as four-point favorites, and I feel like that was low, if I'm being honest with you, BLG. Hmm. So you think it's going to be a blowout? I think the Cowboys will win. I think it will be well in hand. Not well in hand, but I think Cowboys fans will feel very comfortable in, in the context of winning in the fourth quarter. So where I'm at with this game is that the vibes are off. You know, it's all about vibes when I talk about mm. football or anything in life. It's, it's the most important category. And I, joking aside, like, I really do think they're off because everything was going great. Energy at the link was amazing. Everything was like looking good. The Eagles were about to go up 10-0 on the 49ers. Jalen Rager catches that touchdown in the end zone, except he stepped out on the way in, which I said the stats. And I want to ask you, so I asked stats this. I want to ask you this. I'm going to ask Jimmy this when I do BGN Radio. So if you're listening to all of these, I'm sorry. You have to hear this again. But I want to like check this. There's no way you remember a wide receiver getting called, like a touchdown called back because they stepped out of bounds on the way to the end zone, right? Like you can't think of any examples of that off the top of your head, right? Like that just doesn't happen. I can't think of an example, but illegal touching definitely happens. I mean, yes, but not so, like on a touchdown like that. Um, so I, I promise I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I can't think of an example to your point, but something that does seem like it happens, maybe not often, is like when teams are on the goal line and a player runs out the back of the end zone. Like that seems yes. somewhat. Frequent. I talked to stats about that, and I think that's yeah, that's different. That's a different story. I'm talking about you know not in the red zone, not where like obviously the space is small and you accidentally right. set out like you have the whole field to work with, and somehow you step out of bounds. Like anyway, which Nick Sirianni talked about was actually a bad route by Jalen Raker because he didn't put himself in a position where he mm. had the, the field to work with and he could get pushed out. But anyway, uh, Jalen Raker really had the, the big catch that the Eagles social media team tweeted at. So yeah, the one-handed catch, which I was like. <laughs> just okay great it's a one-on-one rep like can we see him succeed in team drills which actually kind of matter more uh so i think everything really shifted there because all of a sudden you're not up 10 to 0 uh you're up still 3 to 0 and you have a chance to kick a field goal and make it 6 to 0 except the field goal gets blocked and then you know it went from there so uh, so the vibes are off the vibes are off you get to that goal line series that we talked about earlier you can't score the 49ers go and get a touchdown brandon brooks gets hurt in the meantime he's going to be out this game going on ir it sounds like uh, we don't know how long he's going to be out. That Brandon sucks. Graham. And the Brandon Graham. Seriously, that, I mean, no, in, like, I think yeah. you and I both agree, injuries suck no matter who they happen to. Brandon Graham's just a great guy. Like, objectively, right. um, BLG. great family dude. Yep, you saw it in uh, All or Nothing if you watched that. Like, just a really good dude. And honestly, it's kind of like, it, it, it's really, it gives me goosebumps thinking about how he's handling this injury. Like he's out here, like going to charity events the next day. Like Brandon Graham is always happy. And even when something it's like inspiring, honestly, like when, cause it's when something bad happens to me, uh, I don't have that kind of always <laughs> that strength and that fortitude and that resolve to like be positive, you know? And I think it's okay. I don't think you always have to be positive. I'm sure Brandon Graham maybe had some time to himself to really, you know, feel like this sucks and everything, sure. but to see him kind of put on that face still is really inspiring. So uh, great to see that from him, that he isn't down at all. He's in high spirits and I'm sure it helps that he made the biggest play in Eagles history and has a Super Bowl ring. I'm sure that takes the edge off a little bit, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a really big blow just in terms of, not only is Brandon Graham a good pass rusher, and I think he's very much given the Cowboys trouble in the past. Um, 
it's a big deal from like a leadership standpoint. He's one of the team's captains. He brings a lot of positive energy. And so between all that stuff kind of just turning, like I don't feel amazing about the Eagles vibes right now. I felt good about this being a Cowboys win before uh, Sunday's game. I don't think it's because they lost to the 49ers that like I don't feel great about them. It's not that simple because I think they could have beaten the 49ers. That wasn't like an unwinnable game. They didn't get like outplayed, thoroughly outplayed sure. and didn't stand a chance. Shout out Jimmy Garoppolo. For making that Jimmy G definitely helped. Um, I think this game is going to be competitive, though, because I think they're going to kind of be uh, they're going to bounce back a little bit, a little bit of a bad taste in their mouths after kind of shooting themselves in the foot, uh, letting missed opportunities go by like they did. So I think it's going to be close. But the Cowboys are at home, and uh, the Eagles have some things to work through in terms of Jalen Hurts being inconsistent, in terms of Nick Sirianni clearly still growing. The defense hasn't forced a turnover yet. Maybe they're due. That's a positive. But they also haven't had like a sack either, and like a neutral kind of game script or like early in the game. Like they have three sacks this year, RJ, but they all came on the, like basically the final two drives in the Falcons game when the game was pretty much over and the Falcons were like clearly in desperation mode and they're dropping back to pass and they're like looking for a big play. Like it was very much set up for the Eagles to succeed. It hasn't been like early in the game where you kind of need like a big stop and the Eagles come up with a sack and now you're losing Brandon Graham. So you're losing one of your best pass rushers. So uh, I don't feel amazing about this one. I don't feel terrible about it. That's why I think it's going to be a close game. But I, I think the Cowboys are going to win it. So I think that everything you said has merit. I think not to pile on, but the thing for me as an outsider looking at the Eagles, the super dangerous spot to be in for any NFL team is the we got to have this game because it's about to get really hard after this moment uh, because then you lose that game because you, you're telling yourself like, man, OK, yeah, we've got these tough games coming up. But if we can just win this one, you know, we'll be able to survive. And that's a really tough way to kind of be. So the Eagles are one and one. They get the Cowboys this week, obviously. After this, they get the Chiefs on a short week, if you want to call it that, you know, coming off Monday Night Football. Then they visit the Panthers. I'm still out on the Panthers. I personally haven't read your power rankings yet at the time of this writing, but I am going to assume you aren't exactly sold on a team that beat the Jets. Granted, they did impress against the Saints, but whatever. Um, after the the Panthers, the Eagles get the Bucks and then the Raiders. I mean, this could this could fall out of hand quickly for the Eagles. Yeah, I think that's kind of to be expected. Like going into the season, there was kind of talk like if they can kind of just stay afloat, kind of tread water. Right. They have all those division games, as we talked about a lot at the end of the schedule. They kind of they don't have to be amazing early in the season. They kind of just have to not totally have things blow up on their face and get destroyed. And then they have a fighting chance down the stretch. I think that's kind of, again, the template. But uh, yeah, so, you know, look, week one was really exciting. I think it was entirely fair for anyone to even overreact to that and feel amazing about the team because last year was so bad. Like, allow yourselves to be a little bit like, you know, overhyped for even if it's just a week because like that, that time might be fleeting because this might not be a great year. So I don't blame anyone, including myself, for you know, being really excited. And things were genuinely yeah. feeling good. There wasn't there wasn't reason to feel bad until things like started to spiral this week. So uh, but yeah, I think things aren't looking quite as rosy now, but are kind of more back on that track of what we thought about this team is probably going to be going into the season. But to throw a X factor in there and you've coined him that Jalen Hurts. I mean, I yeah. don't we, I don't I don't fully know. We don't fully know what he is yet. I thought he did some encouraging things in a loss to San Fran. He left some big plays on the field, which is discouraging and kind of wondering about 
the accuracy and the arm strength and all those things combined and, and the timing because he had Devontae Smith for a big player too. And he ultimately the ball came short on both of those. And that's frustrating because Devontae Smith was open. And instead of having two catches for 16 yards like he did, he could have had a much bigger day than that. And I do think Devontae is going to give that Cowboys secondary some problems. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of hard to know what to make. You're not fully confident in him. You think he's going to run around. He's going to do some things, but he might leave some plays on the field. And then again, just Sirianni being green. Um, there's just there's too many unknowns to feel like this is a confident going to Dallas. We're going to win this game for sure. It's kind of just more of like a, a toss up to me in my mind. So um, a couple things before we get to the Cowboys side of this. One, this is Jalen's first primetime game as the like unquestioned Eagle starter, right? I mean, he's he's kind uh, of yeah. I mean, because this this year is his first like. Yeah. You know, so this is his first primetime game without Carson Wentz on the roster. That's kind of my point. Correct. So yes. it will be that will be interesting to see. Some guys do kind of rise at that occasion. Jalen's obviously played a lot of big time football. Definitely interested to see how it goes. His game at AT&T Stadium last year was not impressive. Uh, the Cowboys blew the Eagles out then with Andy Dalton uh, at the helm. I do want to get to the Cowboys, but this happened while we are recording. So I, I couldn't pass on talking about it. Uh, the whole NFL world has roasted the league for the new taunting. BLG. Uh, Ron Rivera just spoke. Uh, I haven't heard exactly what he has said, but he has spoken about how he is in favor of it. You want to talk about bad vibes like Ron Rivera, dude, mm. don't be don't be carrying the league's water. You know what I mean? On on this stuff. So anyway, um, the Cowboys, I think to live in, in vibe land, have good vibes. And this was not the case. And hear me out. This was certainly not the case. Basically, from the day after they lost to the Buccaneers. Because the day after they lose, Michael Gallup is out three to five weeks cast train. Lyle Collins suspended. Holy crap, our pets' heads are falling off. Mm -hmm. The following Monday, Zach Martin's back. Awesome. Party. Randy Gregory's on the COVID list. And Mike McCarthy very quickly said, yeah, he's probably you know not going to play on Sunday in LA. It's generally been kind of a 10-day thing. For what it's worth, he was vaccinated and asymptomatic. I don't know if Zach Ertz is asymptomatic, but he is vaccinated, as I understand. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. I do love how, again, the national heads are like, oh, no, Zach Ertz is going to miss this game. It's like, well, you know, I'll do respect. To, this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll do respect to Zach Ertz, but I don't think that that's a real factor here. But anyway, uh, so that happens. Demarcus Lawrence breaks his foot. Donovan Wilson, Cowboys starting safety, re-aggravates a groin injury, doesn't practice all week. The Cowboys reserve tackle, who they were going to start when Lyle Collins got suspended, Ty Insecki suffered from heat exhaustion last week and couldn't play. So, I mean, lots of bad vibes, and the Cowboys went to L.A. They took down a Chargers team who you were very high on. You have predicted Justin Herbert to win MVP, Brandon mm -hmm. Staley to win Coach of the Year, the Chargers to win the division, and the Cowboys went and beat that team in the face of all that adversity. I think it was the highest quality win in the Mike McCarthy era where he has maybe ever uh, but, you know, at least in games where he has had Dak Prescott as his quarterback. And so that says a lot. So I think they are riding a positive bit of momentum. They had to get through those first two games, one and one. We talk about those like stretches where you got to win a certain amount of games or something like that. I think this is the hardest game because I am not as down on the Eagles as most people are, which is something you and I have discussed a lot. Um, but this is their hardest game, arguably until the bye. You, you can make that argument because after this, it's Carolina. After that, it's the Giants. And after that, it's the Patriots. And I know the Patriots are the Patriots, but they haven't exactly been impressive. Um, so there's an argument to be made there. So if they win this game. You could, you know, we, we you and I have talked about it. like they could be four and two, maybe even five and one at the bye. This is a big time game. It's their first game at home so far this season. The first game the Cowboys played without Dak Prescott last year was at home on Monday Night Football when they got led up by the Cardinals. This is at home on Monday Night Football, his first home game since then. So a little bit of like poetic symmetry there. And I just I think that 
I could see a world like, you know, we love to talk about things that we could see that aren't like ridiculously out of the realm of possibility. I could see the Cowboys like routing the Eagles because I could see the the positive vibes and everything kind of, you know, clicking, you know, Randy Gregory's back and just everything is is positive with them. You know, it's the season is really young. We're still learning who these teams are. Um, but they're in a much better place today than I anticipated they would be when, you know, the ceiling was collapsing last week. Yeah, I think this is a show-me game for the Cowboys. I think, like, I wouldn't call the win over the Chargers, like, a statement game. Like, you know, it's a no, three-point win. But it was quality. It's not It's not a statement yes. game, but but it is a quality win. No, I agree with that part. Yeah, that that I don't disagree with. But like, it wasn't like, oh, you know, the Cowboys have arrived. They beat the Chargers um, by three points, even though Justin Herbert threw an interception. I, nine I, don't, line. I don't think that this is a different subject. I don't think that every team is capable of playing a we have arrived game. Like, I think the Cowboys are too good to play mm. or to, to win a we have arrived. Like, the only teams that can have, like, mm. we have, like, the Raiders can have a we have arrived game because of, you know, I get, who they've I been. I know what you're saying. But I, I don't agree with that. I think the iteration. I know, like, it's not about just the the franchise, though. To me, it's about like the um the iteration of the team. Like, oh, the yeah, I mean arrived. the same thing. But they've been okay. they won, you know. But whatever, fine. But okay, so I trash think, the Chargers think, win, even though you love them. No, I'm not trashing the win. I just think it's like what they do from here is what really like this. this I call it a show me game this week because that's like okay, show me that you're really building on that, and that just right. wasn't a one off. You beat the Chargers, whatever. But then you lose to the Eagles next week. Then that doesn't really doesn't mean anything to me. Then then they beat the Chargers. Like this, you have to build. If if this truly is a turning point, if you're taking those those uh, points of adversity, which is important, and a, a criticism that I've had of Mike McCarthy, I want to see how you know he handles adversity in that situation. And I think to get the the win over the Chargers is good. Um, so. But what does he do from here? How does he build on that? That's going to be the big thing. And and if they do blow out the Eagles, then great. Then that's a really big deal. And you're looking at the Cowboys really as like a very good path to winning the NFC East if you don't already think that. Um, because, you know, we don't think the Giants are going to do much. And I think Washington, you know, might hang around, but has a tough schedule. Um, so it's, it's a really big game. It's a really big game here to set the tone early in the season. Uh, a win for the Eagles, I think. So I think the Cowboys need this game more, I guess. And maybe that's why they might win it. Because I don't think the Eagles need this game as badly in the sense of like, this is the Cowboys. The Cowboys are contending this year. Like, this is a big year for them. The Eagles are not full on like, you know, win at all costs, bust or, or win or bust mode. And I, I and in that sense, and I kind of think the Cowboys needed the game more last week too against the Chargers. Um, I think they really needed to get to... Uh, to, to avoid going 0-2, potentially going to 0-3 against the Eagles. like That was like a very key spot for them. So I think this is another big spot for them. So we will definitely have three straight weeks of one of Dallas or Philly winning and the other losing. Because Philly won in week one, Dallas uh, lost week one, and the opposite week two. They obviously play each other in week three. The rivalry is intense, as we have discussed several times. Uh, you know, Eagles fans are a bunch of hypocrites, as I've discussed here today, uh, when it comes to fandom in general. But BLG, we have yeah. to have a bet. You had a bet with Rob Stats yeah. Guerrero on the Oddcast. You had, I already <sighs> forgot. What was the name of the song you had to sing? I left my heart. In San Francisco by Tony Bennett. So BLG saying that uh, you guys should all listen to the SB Nation NFL show anyway. That's another feed to go subscribe to, leave a rating, write a review. But on Tuesday's edition of the podcast, BLG saying that it's also on Twitter. If you go check out uh, the SB Nation NFL Twitter account, you can see him while he does it. Uh, so do you have any ideas, BLG? Cowboys Eagles bet. What you thinking? Well, I do want to make you sing the Eagles fight song because then that would be gold forever. So I really want that to be. So you want to repeat uh, the bet you had with stats from last week. 
You're a really well, creative really, person, and that's what you want to bet. I want to. So I didn't know what I wanted to do with stats. That was the thing. We kind of put it up to Twitter. We didn't really get anything that was like overwhelmingly a popular idea that either we loved or the people loved. So we kind of went with something that uh, this is originally the bet I had in mind with you. I was thinking about this bet before I was thinking about the stats bet. Um, so that one kind of came after. Um, I, that's what I want from you. What do you want from me? So I want from you, if the Cowboys win, you have to change your Twitter profile picture to the Block and the Boys logo until kickoff of the next Eagles game. Hmm. Uh, kickoff of the next Eagles game. Yeah, and it's it's as short of a week as possible. Think about that because it's a Monday night game. Okay, I think and it the, has to be. And the be... Eagles play at noon on the following Sunday against Kansas City. Okay, I think you need to give me 11 p.m. or 11. I think I need like an hour just because I'm not going to have time to literally change. No, 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 no. I don't. Yeah, it's it's not like clock hits triple zero. You got to swap. Okay, just to be fair. I just wanted to to define that because I'm like, I'm not going to have time to like change. I'm going to have to keep it through the game or whatever. I'm going to be like, chaos for me. We'll say this by 8 a.m. Central time, Cowboys time on on Tuesday morning. You have to have changed it and there has to be a tweet. I mean, I'm not trying to like go. You're asking for the fight song <laughs> that you'll get to keep forever. You have to tweet out with the the avatars. So you have to attach it as a photo on the tweet. You have to say, "The Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I am BLG, and I am sorry." With the photo, okay. With the what, you, you, what you photo? Can't, you can't. You mean with, the picture, with, the avatar? Yeah, the, the picture of the logo. So it's like it's your avatar. Yeah. It's also your photo yeah. in the tweet. You yeah, can never delete fair. this tweet though, just because you're telling me like, no, oh, yeah. I want, no, I want to have this forever. So no, yeah. that's that's a hundred percent. Yeah, you can't delete. I would never do that. That's that's pretty lame. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, okay. Um, hmm. Do we think this is fair? Do we think this is even? <laughs> do you I think, think this it, is even? I think it's even because if 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 the Eagles win, you're going to use the audio of me singing for a long time. Like, and, and I'm have actually, to retweet it. Yeah. Um, and, and you have to, if I, yeah, if the Eagles win, like this has to be clipped because like you're making me do something on Twitter. Like I'm not making you do anything sure. on Twitter. I'm thinking you doing something on the podcast. So I think that needs to be, the standard needs to be there. I think you need to, we'll clip it. Obviously it's good for the podcast promotion anyway. Um, so we can, we'll, we have to clip it. And then I need a retweet from both you and the blogging the boys account. Mm, okay, so to be clear here, because I want to make sure we're all clear and nobody's like, you know, cutting corners here. If the Eagles win, I the following Wednesday, which will be two days after. Um, yeah. The I, next mixtape. Right. I have to sing the Eagles fight song. We will clip uh-huh. that from our recording software. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'll, I, I'll tell you what, we'll tweet it. I'll, we'll tweet it out. I'll tweet it out and the Blog of the Boys account will retweet it. But I, I will tweet okay, it so the, the video will live on my Twitter. Sure. Look at okay, that. I think this is fair. I think people hopefully will like this. Uh, we I, worked it out I, in the podcast. I'm actually <laughs> really sad because I thought you were going to come up with something different, but you just recycled the bet that you had last week for stats. I'm a little bummed. I didn't recycle it. This is the original one I wanted to do. It's like uh, we again. I, I the other I suppose one was like a, a having, Yeah, like having stats sing the Eagles fight song is like kind of meaningless. Like having a 49ers fan, you know, it's like it's cool every once in a while when you play them, but it doesn't really mean the same thing. I wanted to have it from both of you though. So then anytime like the Eagles <laughs> did something good or your team did something bad, I could just bring it back up and just like upload that video on Slack and just make you guys have to to see it. So that's that's really what I wanted. The the thing I really want to see is like next, you know, I don't know, Friday is just like <laughs> the like Eagles injury report, you know, t- tweet that you have that comes out or like the quotes or something. It'll be great. 
we did this. Don't let anybody ever say that we don't care about the podcast. Hey, man, it's all about fun. Like oh, at totally. the end of the day, uh, football is supposed to be fun. Obviously, you and I do this every week in part because it's fun. We don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. A little peek behind the curtain, RJ. Mm. We don't have to do the NFC mystic. We're not like, you know, like this isn't we're not putting you hold into this. We do it because it's fun and we like to do it. So I hope everyone out there has fun with it, too. And, you know, make you know, obviously make your own bets uh, with your other fans, friends or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's all about fun. Hopefully it's a good game. Um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, and shout out to Seamus for the material. Seriously, um, I get that Dallas because it's a good thing for Philly. Uh, I don't know of another team that obsesses about another team in this exact way more than the Eagles do. I, I'm objectively it's saying fun. That. I, <laughs> I mean, it is fun. Like, this is the best time of year. Anybody who says that this isn't the best time of year, like, what do they think? Of? You know what I mean? Like, what's better? What's better than this? It really is. I mean, I love fall. Just beyond, you know, the football and the, the like, the Eagles, Cowboys of it all. Like, fall is the best season. My birthday's coming up. I'm gonna be thirty. I'm You're an in October now, like birthday you. too, right? Yeah, it's coming up. What is it? What's the day? Because I'm an October birthday. I don't know if we've. Discussed. I can't. I can't tell you because then I'm doxing myself and giving out important information here. Ah, okay. Do, it's the 18th. <laughs> okay. You're seriously? It's really the 18th? Yep. I'm the 20th, so we're right there. Look at that. Yep. I know some truly birthdays. You truly are the Joker to my Batman. Um, there we go. Know, we, we were always blind. Um, Ryder Cup is this week in BLG. Who are you rooting for, the United States or Europe? I just I don't even <laughs> have an answer to this question. United States, because why not? But like, I just don't. Mm, so you I, are. I, I can't even. So let me be clear here. I don't know. You are. You are rooting for America's team. Thank you. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.